2: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
3: Here we go, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. We are live and on the air. Hope your Tuesday is good. Mine is cold and wet and dreary, but alas, we get to talk about soccer today. We uh, we also have a wide-open program when people that you talk to to come on the show and Speak to their expertise, let you down at the last minute. Not, not. I'm sure things are important that came up, but well, we had some things lined up and now they are gone. So it's a big call-in episode for you today. Uh, we'll get those phone lines going after we hit the news. Let me remind you here off the top that due to some family circumstances, I will not be here Tomorrow, Thursday or Friday so today is the last show of the week I am very much apologized for said situation it cannot be helped I must fly off be with friends and family uh, for a couple of days and I will return on Monday which I believe is the 16th Trevor is that right uh, November 16th I will be back on the air this is this goes for anybody who listens to the Sirius XM show as well I will not be able to do that show either so no show tomorrow thursday or friday that means you got to get your phone calls in today you got to talk to me today and if you want to get anything in on the current events and these are the current events since we last spoke actually this news broke during the show yesterday nycfc has named former arsenal midfielder patrick vieira as its head coach for 2016 vieira has coached in the manchester city system since retiring as a player in 2011 um he, re- he replaces Christ, who obviously was fired for not making that playoff goal, uh, set by NYCFC in their inaugural season. And he signs a th- three year contract. Now, again, I want to see Patrick Vieira succeed. I like Patrick Vieira. I think it would be good to have a Patrick Vieira figure in MLS succeeding on the coaching level. I just don't know if the situation is great for that. Let's, let's hope it is. Let's hope they give him the support. Let's hope they get him some players that can help him. Let's hope that the travel and the arcane rules and all of everything else are, are things that Patrick Vieira can adapt to relatively quickly. Let's, let's hope that that's the case. Because Patrick Vieira succeeding in MLS would ultimately be to the benefit of MLS. FIFA, president, uh, FIFA presidential candidate Gianni Infantino wants to expand the World Cup to 40 teams. Yeah, you heard that right. He wants to expand the World Cup to 40 teams because 32 is just not enough. I believe in expanding the World Cup based on the experience we had in Europe with the Euros. Look at qualifiers now where some teams who have never qualified did, and some teams which have always qualified didn't make it. So it created a completely new dynamic in the qualification. It created new enthusiasm. If you are serious about developing football, it must involve more associations in the best football event in the world, the World Cup. Now, watering down the World Cup has been happening steadily since, uh, what, 1994? 1998? We've been moving up the number of shows. I mean, the number of shows, the number of teams. Wow, that's terrible. The number of teams since, uh, the, since the early 90s. Some people will tell you that those, previous editions of the of the world cup with a, a smaller number of teams were actually better quality tournaments certainly there's a that that's the argument that's been used against expanding the euros i'm all for giving teams more opportunity but there is at some point uh, there is a diminishing returns element that will come into it now it's too soon for 2018 to institute infantino's proposal and it's probably too soon for or probably wrong fit for qatar since they're trying to Jam a bunch of games into the Qatari winter in 2022. At least that's the plan right now. Now, the other element of Giovanni, uh, sorry, Gianni's, uh, candidacy is that he intends to step down if Michelle Platini is allowed to run. He said, My candidacy is not in opposition to Michelle. If he is able to stand, I will withdraw. It is a simple principle of loyalty. Right now, I'm a candidate 100% and I'm moving forward, not only for Europe, but for world football. Now obviously Infantino represents European interests, lots of power in UEFA when it comes to world football, a guy with uh, a guy who's been part of UEFA since uh, 2009 as the uh, as the what what is his title again? He's the Secretary General, right? Yeah. He's the guy who stands up on stage and draws all the balls for European competitions. That's how you know him. But he's also a lawyer. He's 45 years old. Okay, fine. Thank you for playing, Johnny. The German FA president, Wolfgang Niersbach, DFB, resigns over the World Cup bribery claims from 2006. This is the latest latest name to fall, latest head to roll, as the FIFA scandal continues to unfurl in many different directions. It's like a, an octopus. We've got so many arms and tentacles going all over the place, touching everything in world football. Niersbach, who has been president of the DFB since 2012, said the accusations that a payment of 6.7 million euros Has had been made to bribe officials of soccer's governing body, FIFA, were depressing and painful. Quote, I was always there from the first day of the 2006 World Cup bid right up until the tournament's conclusion. And in all these years, not only have I always gone about my work with great passion, but I have also always worked in good faith and in a proper manner. So he's maintaining his his innocence here. As for the departments allocated to me, marketing, media, accreditation, and event organization, I can say with a clear conscience that I did nothing wrong. It is therefore even more depressing and painful for me that nine years later, I am confronted with procedures of which I was not a part and which leave many questions unanswered for me. Uh, 65 years old, spent three decades at the DFB, general secretary from 2007 until he became president five years later. He's obviously on the executive committee for FIFA and for UEFA. This This is... Pretty big news, and we'll see who replaces him at the DFB and what this means for German football in general. Again, this is all goes back to the two the six point seven euro, six point seven million euro payment that did not show up uh, show up in any audit of the organization's accounts, according to Der Spiegel. I insist and would like to underline that I had no knowledge of the background of the alleged flow of money. Niersbach said, "This this is why it is even harder for me to decide to take political responsibility." for all of this. In order to protect the DFB in the position, I have with a heavy heart decided to resign from the post of DFB president. Nevertheless, I will still contribute whenever I can to give a full explanation of the proceedings. All right, we'll 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 go on here with the with the German B DFB the latest to be impacted by the FIFA scandals. The US men's uh, US men's national team U23s head to Brazil for a pair of friendlies against Brazil during this uh, FIFA break. The roster is headlined by John Brooks, Julian Green, and Gedeon Zalalem Brooks joins the U23s for the first time in 2015 after being a senior team player for most of the last 18 months. This is obviously a bid to strengthen that squad ahead of the big showdown with Colombia, likely in March, for a spot in the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympics. Uh, Brooks can help them defensively. Uh, I'm not sure where Julian Green fits right now, but I, uh, Andres Herzog has some work to do. They didn't do well enough in the CONCACAF tournament. They came up short. Of uh, of actually making the final and qualifying automatically. Now they've got to play Colombia. It looks like over two legs, come March, uh, aggregate series. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a rough go. So a couple of friendlies in Brazil during the break uh, will help them along the way as they prepare for that showdown. U.S. Soccer has reached a settlement over a class action lawsuit involving concussions in youth soccer. The new rules prohibit players from under ten uh, sorry uh, under ten years of age from heading the ball at all. And everybody from 11 to 13 will have a heading limit during practice. Thank you for our autoplay uh, ads, by the way. U.S. soccer will also modify its substitution rules in an effort to aid players who are suspected of having a concussion. Uh, the suit, which was originally filed against FIFA, U.S. soccer, and the American Youth Soccer Organization by parents of a group of youth players, sought only rule changes with no financial motives. So this was not about money for these parents. It was about fixing the rules. And we can have a debate. Here it is. Right now, I'll open the phone lines. Concussions, youth soccer, and a ban on heading. What do you make of it? What do you think it means for our kids? It's soccer morning. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get that all set up. It's a Tuesday. Last show of the week. i got to go away, so you might as well get in now. We'll talk to you in a second. Be right back. You're facing the crowd. You're talking too loud.
2: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
3: All right, we are back on Soccer Morning, and the phone lines are uh, fired up. They are ready to go, and a couple of things on on tap here. A couple of things we can talk about. A couple of things we can flesh out here. Let's 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 figure out this heading situation okay so u.s soccer facing a lawsuit from a group of concerned parents uh, perhaps parents whose uh whose own children dealt with some head injuries have have decided that as part of their settlement they're going to institute new rules and these new rules say that anybody under the age of 10 in a u.s soccer setup cannot head the ball at all no heading that means the ball's in the air it's coming down what do you do what do you do you don't head it you can't do that you're not allowed I don't know what the penalty is going to be. I don't know, a foul, a free kick, something, whatever. Uh, from 11 to 13, limited amount of time heading the ball in practice. Okay, so a couple of questions stem from this. Oh, phone line's open. 646-832-3909. 646-832-3909. A couple of questions stem from this. I think the most obvious one is, does this put our kids behind the learning curve relative to the rest of the world? Does this mean that oh, when we when we, you know when our players get the age of 15 16 years old they're not going to be ready. They're not going to know how to head the ball. You know, you know who's got a very very um uh, strong opinion on this? Thomas Rongen. Go find his Twitter account. Look at what he has to say about this decision. He's not on board with it. Not a fan. Now, Thomas Rongan's coached Many different levels of soccer in the United States of America knows the American player very well. seems convinced that we have a problem here. That this is a going this is going to be further ha- hamper the development of our kids. Says that the American player is not good at heading the ball. That this is a problem that we need to address, and that you know responding in this manner is ultimately going to hurt. Thomas Rongen probably should have gotten him on this show. Now that I think about it, didn't even didn't even occur to me this morning, to be honest with you. Get a little groggy. Um, Let's see. uh, I'm trying to. Let me just try. He's got so much in his Twitter uh, feed right here. Biggest flaws in U.S. soccer players: proper defensive and attacking heading and striking balls over distance. Small sided games and no heading in younger age groups will create even more technical deficiencies in players. He's talking about. Uh, you know there's the the issue i think for a lot of people is that this is again uh, a detriment to the growth of our players now the flip side of this whole thing is certainly the safety element this is why the the this is why the lawsuit exists it's why us soccer is responding in this manner the notion that there is an inherent need to provide a safer environment for these kids to play and grow if you are the type of person if you're a soccer fan, if a soccer cons- consumer, and your only concern is how good our national team players are, how good your MLS team players are, how good the Americans we send overseas are, this is a bad thing for you. You're probably upset about this. Oh my God, we're never going to be good again. We're never going to be good at anything. This is a problem. We've, you know, I saw somebody uh, use the word wussification. Wussification. We have wussified American soccer, America in general. Rabble, rabble. Damn it. We're losing everything. And I think Thomas Rogan used the phrase polit- political correctness. I don't think uh, heading the ball thing is a politically correct situation. That's just me, Thomas. But hey, whatever. That's, uh, that's, it's certainly one of the opinions on wh- what this, uh, what this is all about. There's, there's this attitude that, Anything that's meant to make things safer for kids is inherently wrong. That is inherently, that is damaging those kids over the long run. Now, as a parent, I know a lot of you are. I know a lot of you are out there. You got kids right now. You're doing the calculus here. You're trying to figure out how to feel about this. As a soccer fan, as a guy who wants to see better players, see a better American player, it might bother you. Might be concerned as a parent. Hey, you know, if my kid doesn't have to hit a ball with his head until he's 11 years old and then even then it's going to be limited and that that's that's that can only be a good thing. Right. I mean, there's there's consistent reports that the number of American kids participating in full contact. American football is dropping precipitously. Right that that's that's a thing that's happening now as concussion awareness becomes bigger and bigger. And you know what? I, I enjoyed playing American football when I was a kid. I don't know that I would trade that experience, but you have to wonder how close you were to doing some real damage to yourself. And I don't think I ever want to put my kid in that situation. And when it comes to soccer, okay, you know what? Heading the ball... Is maybe one small part of it. Bang, 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 bang. Repetition heading the ball. It's also about head to head collisions, which I'm not sure if you're uh, I'm not I'm not sure if you can avoid those if the ball's in the air and you have heading as part of the game. Here's Thomas Rongen. Too much science in soccer vans. Oh. Too much science in soccer vans destroying our beautiful game. Too much political correctness. All right. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too much of a better safe than sorry person. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too worried about my own kids' cognitive health. Maybe I'm too concerned. Maybe I've been wussified. I don't know. I certainly think that I would rather have my kid. Not head the ball if there's any chance at all that's going to hurt him in the long run. I certainly think I certainly think that this is not a simple problem. If you're on the player development side and your only goal is to make the best player possible, this is probably a bad thing. You're probably upset about this. If you're on the parent side if you're on if you're on a, a an advocacy for safety then you, you you can see the wisdom certainly there's a there's there's a, a, a there's a moral question for certain coaches at certain levels how much do you how much do you do with a kid in his head because the head is a fragile thing and it's one thing for an adult to choose to put his head somewhere he knows he might uh he might suffer serious injury. I mean, I'm not saying it's wise, but it's one thing for an adult to take on that responsibility for himself. It's another to say to a kid, here, use your head to hit this ball when you're seven, eight, nine years old because why? What what ultimately do they get out of it? And if we're going to look if I'm gonna if I'm gonna look for a positive here, I'm looking for a silver lining, hey maybe the ball uh, maybe no heading means the ball's on the ground a little bit more. Maybe kids learn some more technique with their feet. Maybe, maybe, and somebody I saw on Twitter again. This is completely taken over American soccer for at least a day. It may have been Bo Durr. Apologize if I have this wrong. May have been somebody. Maybe been one of our friends out in Kansas City. Maybe Andy. Something about the game is played. Ninety-eight percent of the game is played with your feet. Two percent with your head. If we're going to take that two percent out, are we really losing a lot here? Brian Breckenstaff, our friend uh, from Germany, Vice Sports. If the calculus reheading, uh, reheading the ball is will not prev- will not heading prevent my kid from being a pro? You're doing it wrong. I mean, that, that's it for me. That's it. Okay, for me, the the safety is paramount. So even if we're talking about a very small impact, I mean if we're talking about any impact at all on the prospects of our kids being top level professionals. Okay, fine, do it. You know why? Because I'd like my kid to be able to think. Because I want because I know that the the chances of my son becoming a professional soccer player, or your son or your son, or your son, or your son, or your son, or your son becoming a professional soccer player are so small so tiny and infinitesimal that they are far outweighed by the chance that there will be some damage done to his brain which he has to take with him her his her ha- they have to take with them through the rest of their lives that is them that is who they are that is their you are your brain you if you are nothing else you are your brain if you are I mean, it's your personality, it's your intelligence, it's your reasoning, it's your logic, it's, it, it's it's your your view of life, it's the ability to feel emotion. All of those things come from your brain. Protect the brain. Protect the brain. Unless we can put brains in jars like in that Steve Martin movie, protect the brain. 917, you're on the air.
1: Hey, Jason, how's it going? It's Bill from Rockland. What's going on, Bill? I was really going to go a different way, but uh, I have a 12-year-old, so I had to... Uh a few things about this i think we have it right in this country you know protecting our kids is the most important thing yeah i would love for my kid to become a professional soccer player but if i can protect him at 11 and 12 and 10 jesus come on we have to protect yeah you, our you, kids.
3: We, as parents bill we have no other greater responsibility right i mean that, that is ultimately the first thing you have to do as a parent. I mean, you you have to think if, if you have if you have a child up until, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And even then, you're still going to be guiding them. You your responsibility is to protect them from a world that they're not ready for. Right. And in this case, you're basically saying, let's just stop one thing. And I, look, I know there's a slippery, slippery slope element that some people want to throw out. Well, if you if you ban heading, then are you going to ban tackling Are you gonna ban this Are you gonna ban that? Okay, again, we're talking about the head. We're talking about a a very critical and and fragile part of the human body that we still don't completely understand. I mean, here's here's the reality, people. There may be a day in the very far future, because I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, when humanity finally decides, you know what? Sports are kind of stupid from a health perspective. Let's stop doing that. You know what I mean? Like, that may happen because there's so recognition. I love sports. I was indoctrinated to love sports. I always will, will love sports. I want my kid to play sports. But there's going to be a reckoning with head injuries and, 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 and just the fact that we eat our young when it comes to this game, Bill. I, I mean, a priority is so out of whack in these other countries. Like,
1: I have a, such a problem with signing an eight-year-old to a contract or whatever they do in Barcelona and getting them in. I I have such problems with that. And then like in this country now we're talking about how we have to do away with college soccer because we're not training our kids enough. not training our kids enough. Our our kids are supposed to be kids. Our kids are supposed to go to school. They're supposed to do all this stuff. And you know what? And hopefully they become great soccer players too well but it, it's not the end all of everything no no I, I, I I'm
3: players. with you hundred percent, but i think I think that this country this this country is a soccer country, and us as soccer fans have failed at to up until this point we have still failed to really uh reckon with the fact that 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 becoming a top level soccer nation means selling out some of the things that we do that are better for our kids i mean. And I'm, uh, this is not me throwing stones, but in order to keep up, right? In order to 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 be part of the race that includes the best soccer countries in the world, we literally we, we literally literally have to say to our kids, "Be professional at the age of 13. You know what I'm saying? Don't have a life. Don't go to high school. Don't be normal. Go and train soccer eight hours a day, and go to school for the other five. And you know, saying like this, I I I I think that people lose sight of these kids as individuals bill and because it's a because it's a numbers game and because we have to because you have to have so many kids in these programs to get two or three out that can that can help your club or help your national team what i mean i I know that all of them are being left on the side of the road but what about those other kids and what about a system that fails to take into account their well-being at an appropriate level i'm not saying that it's completely devoid of any heart at all but Ultimately, this is a business, right? Yeah, and the thing is, and like we produce great athletes in this country,
1: but we don't have eight-year-olds signing contracts in this country. We don't have eight-year-olds where they have to practice eight hours a day and have to go to a special school just so they can play soccer. And we still produce great athletes, and we will. Yeah. And soccer, we will produce great soccer players. It's going to happen. It's coming. I mean, you watch these kids. They're playing soccer left and right. The fact that Ronkin and I'm really, i can't believe he said it, I felt for sure he was going to be on board with this whole thing. Is saying against this that of course a kid is not heading the ball properly at nine years of age, he's not going to be a, a good soccer player. It's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I, you know. It's just, again, I, I think that it's 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 interesting to consider the individual perspectives involved. And, and the, 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 there's definitely a mentality. And I'm not going to call it old school, but there's definitely a mentality that, oh my gosh, it's not that big of a deal. You're not heading the ball, the ball that often. Blah, 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 blah. I, and I think there's, I mean, maybe there's, maybe the, maybe there is something to that, Bill, but I mean, it, how do you tell, again, how do you tell a parent whose kid went up for a header, clashed with another kid, or, or, or somehow, you know, somehow over time has suffered from some sort of brain issue, uh, concussions, headaches. I mean, nothing worse in the world than your kid being sick. I can, I, I can only imagine if your, if your kid has some sort of head-related injury because he was playing soccer. I mean, there, here's, here's, here's an example, okay? Or here's something sort of related. We've had a bunch of high school football deaths this year, and it's killing me. That this is happening. I mean, sorry for the the phrasing there, but it's yeah. it, it's it's it, it. I I don't I cannot even stomach the notion that you send your kid out to play a game, and he comes back dead. That what are we doing? I mean, maybe it just happens randomly sometimes, but you're putting your head into ah man. I don't know. It's I don't know, Bill. Yeah, and and I realize that accidents happen, and and I know a
1: soccer player died this year. I saw that in the news not too long ago. And it's going to happen, and accidents happen. But whatever little bit we can do to protect our children, we've got to protect our children. Yeah. And to say that 8, 9, and 10 years of age that we ban it is going to hurt the U.S. national team, that, that to me, is just absolutely ridiculous. I just, I cannot, there's nothing in me that I say, we're going to be a bad soccer nation now because we're banning heading for 8-year-olds. I just can't get on board with that. And I think it's a great move, and we should ban it. (laughs)
3: Okay, thanks for the call, Bill. Appreciate it, man. Thank Uh, you. Look, uh, I'm I'm going to... I'm always going to lean to that side. I think that I'm going to lean to the side of protecting the kids, okay? But I can certainly recognize that as part of a global arms race, as part of a global marketplace, as part of a... In uh, competitive environment, it probably does set our kids back. It probably does, on some level, it probably does. Even if that's a tiny percentage of what u- ultimately makes a player a good soccer player, it probably does. I I think I'm willing to make that sacrifice. I think I am. Maybe everybody's not. And uh, man, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know it's 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 a fascinating situation because because i while i understand the need to protect the kids and i understand the desire of the parents to to force us soccer's hand here i also think that there are there, there we we have overcorrected a little bit sometimes that the world uh the, the the cacophony that is the noise and danger of the world has turned parents into protectionists on a level that he's probably not healthy for the child either. That we have lost the ability to find the middle ground. Uh, there's a, there's a balance between letting your kid roll off and do whatever he wants at like eight years old, you know, to take his bike or run down to the creek or whatever, run down to the neighborhood basketball court with a bunch of bigger kids. I mean, there's, it, 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 that's maybe irresponsible. But the flip side, never let him go anywhere. Never let him do anything. Always be watching him. Put a helmet on him when he goes out and plays the part. I mean, that's obviously too far, so what's the middle ground here? And is this, is the decision to ban heading under the age of 10 and to limit it from 11 to 13 over correction? That's the question here. 3-2-3, uh, three, three, you're on the air. Hey,
0: good morning, Jason. This is Robert from L.A. calling. What's
3: going on, Robert? Uh,
0: it's pretty good. I
3: want to change the subject. after okay with you? Yeah, man. Happy to do so. Uh,
0: yeah, I want to... Uh... I don't know if you talked about this, but if you have uh, mentioned uh, Bob Bradley's interview he did with uh the reporter with the AP.
3: Yeah, I did see that it was Rob Harris. It was last week.
0: Yes, uh, and it, he made some uh, very interesting points, and I, I, I thought it was a very uh, great interview. That he showed some uh, insights in what he's doing, and one part I I just had uh, I want to get your opinion on he he kind of mentioned the uh, Diego Simeon and saying he's similar to him, and I think the, the reason like. You said, like, the reason Americans don't get break is because, you know, they're not European and that thing. And it's always the thing with, the, you know, it's who you know, need, know. And I'm just saying that I think the the Americans that are going to get a bigger break are the ones that were, like, a, uh, great players that played in England. Like, or not England, I'm mean, I'm Europe. You know, like Steve Chirondolo yeah. and uh, Greg Burr, Even you know, now he's in Columbus. And also, uh, there's also a coach in England who just took a, a recent job. Uh, I, I forget his name, but.
3: David Wagner. I
0: just wanted to get your opinion on that.
3: His name is David Wagner. Do
0: you think that? Yes. Do you think that's the reason? Maybe he he doesn't have those connections yet. And
3: well, okay, look, obviously all the
0: amazing work he did at, at uh, Starbucks.
3: Obviously, Bob is in an interesting position, having not been a professional player, and that that usually sticks to guys. It usually makes it very difficult. Um, while while it's it's rare that a star player becomes a great manager. I think that's tough for a star player, uh, for a lot of reasons. You usually at least have to have been a player and a player of some relative note. I mean, or you at least have to. Yeah. You have to be able to re- relate to the, uh, you know, or, 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 your players will respect you because you played and you understand what they're doing and what what they went through and everything else. And I think that's that's a disconnect that that try, that, that uh, sticks to Bob Bradley. Um, I, yeah, that's.
0: I'm sorry. Go no, on.
3: no, 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 no. Bob Bradley is part of a generation of American coaches that, while he's still got years left ahead of him, is dying off. And that and that that generation of American coaches is the is the one that didn't play professional soccer because there wasn't a league when they were when they were young, um, who went into coaching mostly at the college level first because that was what was available. Who 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 you know who sort of picked it up along the way. They became coaches because they had a predilection to be a coach, not necessarily because they were soccer you know they, they were completely I- into soccer 100% everything else I mean obviously Bob Bradley's family has a lot of different sporting interests a guy like Bruce Arena played lacrosse and was on the national team for lacrosse at one point I mean that kind of coach is going to end up going away because of the Halters, because of the Heaps and the, and the, and the Olsons and the Crisis. And, um, who else am I missing? I'm missing a bunch of guys. Jesse Marsh. for Friol. Uh, well, I, well yeah, yeah, but those guys aren't coaching right now. I'm talking about the guys who are. I, I, I don't know if it's too much for him to overcome, but, I, and, and I think he does have a, a point. I mean, you kind of have to be, you kind of have to have some built in respect. From either a playing career, or your, or or within a club that can then vault you, because that's the that's the benefit of Steve Gerundolo being at Hanover. He, he played there so long; he has so much respect. It's almost like he stopped being American, in the sense that we don't, oh, we don't trust Americans with soccer.
0: Kind of like uh, the whole Brad Friedel thing when when he stays there and then when he comes back, he has that that English accent <laughs> and then he likes yelling a lot too.
3: Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, obviously, Brad Friedel, if he decides to go into coaching. Uh, he'll he'll have to, he'll have the benefit of the doubt too. Um, I think that uh, I think that there's look, I I want Bob Bradley to get the shot get a shot, and I think he's good enough. But there's there's obviously some things about his background that are that are limiting him, and and probably on some level a little fairly. I mean, not not I don't think it's so much that he shouldn't be identified as a possible candidate for some of these bigger jobs, but you know there is. There is there there is a little bit to the fact that again he he came from a, from a very unconventional sort of path when he arrived uh, in Europe.
0: Well, I guess uh, well I, I wish him the best, and we'll just see what happens with his uh, new job at in uh, France. Hey, can I ask you one more question, Jason? Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. Uh, I tried calling you yesterday on your uh, your best soccer show and then, uh I don't know basketball or something, but I was calling about the U.S. roster, and I was saying I'm a with the whole like, you know, the whole Darling the and, and, you know, we've been waiting, waiting for him to get citizenship for like multiple years. And I'm just saying, what does it say about the U S program that you're relying, you're waiting on someone's like paperwork to get through. And you're not giving like the people in your, like your youth team going, moving up the ranks. Like you're waiting on dual nationals and you're like, and then with darling Nagby and you've had, we've had conversations conversation or you've had conversations about like, uh, the guy from Seattle, Alon's. uh, Alonzo, if he can only get it right from Cuba or Dom Dwyer, now that he's married to Sidney LaRue. I'm just yeah. saying, what, what do you think it says about the U.S. <sighs> program? Nothing,
3: nothing. Uh, who says they were waiting on Darlington Nagby? It just so happens Darlington Agby is eligible now. So you give Darlington Nagby a look. I mean, I don't think Jürgen Klinsmann was was anxiously waiting with with bated breath for Darlington Nagby to get his paperwork done. I think what, we, what you end up having is a coach who is assessing the player pool at every individual point that he arrives to to pick a team, and in this case, he got to this point, and Darlington nagby happened to be eligible. I, I don't think that it necessarily says anything about the player pool, other than Darlington nagby is now part of the player pool. Uh, if we're talking okay, about, maybe, if we're talking about the development of players in the United States, Darlington nagby essentially was developed in the United States.
0: Okay, well, I mean, maybe I meant like the the soccer media for like you know writing these stories about this. Maybe that's, that's what I'm trying to go with.
3: What, what, what's the... What I about? mean,
0: if he's eligible, I, I, yeah. if he's eligible, I, I, we take
3: him. Yeah, sure, but what are you... I'm not sure what you mean by the media.
0: Uh, you know, like, uh, the... I don't want to say it's the MLS riders or something like that, but you know, like, the people involved in the, in the U.S. soccer media, it's just like, they always keep track of these things.
3: Uh, uh, oh, okay. Say, I see what you Which
0: dual national are uh, eligible. I, well, look, I think I the mean, people at American soccer now...
3: Okay, sure, sure, sure. I know what you're saying now. Okay. In terms of, like, the the cottage industry that is tracking players who may become eligible one day for the United States, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, look, this is a country that is roughly thirty years into seriously trying to develop soccer players, and really, if you want to be completely honest about it, we're only about ten years into the academy programs in MLS, which are the real effort to try to develop soccer players in this country. So. And we've got so many of these provincial problems within the soccer pyramid um, the, 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 all the way down. I mean, there's pay to play. There's all these problems within American soccer that are limiting the amount of players we can get out of our, our system. And yet we still have some good coaches and we still have some good programs and we're still producing some good players. If we need to augment that with guys who are Americans or who become Americans because they've lived here for a very long time and they essentially identify as Americans and just need that citizenship – That's part of who we are as people, Robert. That's part of who we are as Americans. And I don't have any problem whatsoever with sort of being excited if Darlington Nagby is going to become eligible. He's a good player or Kakuta Mane is going to become eligible. He's a good player. I want to, I I love to see him in the national team. I, I think, you know, the, the, the German American element for me, the problem isn't that they're German Americans or that they weren't raised here. My problem is that you, if you, if you have an unbalanced team in general, you can cause some problems. But if they want to play and they're, Americans and they're good. I don't care where they're from.
0: Yeah, near do I. That's where I'm going. I'm not trying to like, you know, I don't want to call anyone now. I was just saying that. But uh that's what I got. Uh, thanks, Jason, for taking my call. You have a
3: great game. Appreciate day. it, Robert. It's good stuff. I mean it's a it's a little rambly, Robert, but I get your point. I mean, yeah, there there is we have developed, we have we have moved forward from being quite as um anxious about these things, the dual internationals picking the United States, the guys becoming citizens. I think we're not quite as bad as we used to be. But it's still there, and it, and it it always will be until we reach that level of success that we desperately want to see. And that's the national team going and competing in a World Cup to the point of, you know, uh, I don't know, semifinals, regular. I mean, we're talking about quarters and semis on a regular basis before anybody says... Yeah, we're pretty good with our player pool right now. Well, yeah, we're good. We, we, don't, we don't really need to worry if Dual International A is going to pick the United States over that other country. We really don't need to worry if Dual International B is, you know, actually interested in playing for somebody else. We don't need to worry about if this guy who... Says he wants to become a citizen. We don't really know where the process is. It's very, it's very murky how long it takes. And oh yeah, did he marry an American? Yeah, I guess he did. How long, but how much longer does he have? Well, let's call the, the, the immigration lawyer because that's the only way we have any notion of how long it's going to take. I don't think we're quite as, I don't think we're quite as anxious about those things as we used to be. I hope that's true. I mean, I, you know, the Darlington Ivy situation, maybe if he was banging in goals in addition to just being the kind of player he is. People would have been more anxious to see him get in the national team. It sort of kind of faded for a while because he didn't score and because the process takes so long. And we sort of lost our our attention goes elsewhere. We get distracted by shiny objects, whether that shiny object is Gideon Zalalem or uh, give me another uh, Christian Pulisic, I guess. I mean, and that's the thing. We need to stop worrying about this stuff because... Christian Pulisic is probably going to be an American international. I don't know that we should be too upset about the possibility of him playing for somebody else. Who is it? Croatia? Matt Miazga. I mean, it's fascinating to see Matt Miazga get pulled into the, na- called into the national team. And the question is immediately, Oh my God, is he going to cap, is Clinton going to cap time? Klinsman needs to cap time. But the Polish, the, the Polish national team is circling. Got to cap time Matt Miazga. La, 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 la. I think Matt Miazga is going to be in a U.S. international. Whether he's cap out at 20 or 22. Might as well cap time now. He's good enough. I mean, that, for me, that's the issue. Cap time because he's good enough or cap him because forget the tie part. Cap him because he's good enough. Cap him because he deserves to get a shot. Cap him because you're trying to figure out the next generation of players you're going to take to Brazil in 2018. And Matt Miazga is on that list. 646-832-3909. Some pretty heavy stuff on this show today. Getting a little dark around here and it's dark outside my window. It's just, it, I feel like I live in London or something. Can I get a little sunshine, please? I know it's fall. I know it's autumn, but golly, I'm just a little, a little bummed out. It just drives down your motivation levels when it's just cold and dreary and damp. We talked about the heading situation for youth soccer players in this country. As part of a settlement with U.S. soccer, there are new rules that say players under the age of 10 can't head the ball and players from 11 to 13 are limited in practice how much they can do so. So we'll see what kind of impact this has. I want to talk to a new soccer expert. I want to talk to, I want to talk to Thomas Rongan. Uh, I want to talk probably to our friend Charlie Bohm. Uh, I want to talk to, I'd love to talk to coaches who are working on those levels who can tell me directly and in practical terms what this means for how they teach their kids and how those kids are going to develop. And again, the ultimate question is how much do we value the safety of our kids, every single one of them, versus how much do we value pumping out soccer players? That's a callous way to say it. It's probably not fair to the people who want to see our kids become better soccer players or don't think that heading is a big deal. I mean, that's part of this, right? I don't think heading is a big deal is the position of many people out there. My man uh, Jared Dubois from The Best Soccer Show, which should be out today at some point, we had the discussion last night, and he said, I'm of two minds. I have two kids. One of them is five. He's starting to play soccer. I kind of understand the whole let's protect our kids thing. But you know what? I grew up playing, and I headed the ball, and I'm fine. I'm fine. My boys are all fine. I mean, my, my friends are all fine. We're all fine. But what about the kids who aren't fine? I mean that that's that's the problem, right? Is how much do you value one individual against the against the group, against the rest of the population? I mean, for example, and it's not soccer related, so it's not a direct uh, a direct point to to be made against or for not heading at the at youth soccer levels. But my little brother suffered a bunch of concussions in in high school, and younger, and. If he, if those could have been avoided, he would probably be in a better place today, or he would have been in a better place for some years of his life that were essentially lost. Some years when he struggled with some things that I have no doubt. I mean, I, I don't have proof. And I think, again, we're trying to determine exactly how the brain works and we, the science of it is still catching up. I have no doubt that his concussions played a part in some of those issues and some of those lost years. You can you can only hit your head, concuss yourself so many times before, yeah, the migraines are going to set in, yeah, the cognitive, you know, you're going to have cognitive issues. I mean, there's just, there's just a fundamental question to be asked about how much, how many concussions, how many injured kids, how many damaged brains we're willing to put up with. That's essentially what it is, because when you when you involve heading the ball, you're, you are as you are at some point, especially for undeveloped, underdeveloped human beings, which they are at eight years of age, nine years of age, 10 years of age. You're going to do some some damage, even if it's in, in little infinitesimal things that are incremental. 646 832 is the phone number. Yeah, it's good to see the league promoting all of these events on their Twitter page. Anyway, um, let's uh, let's open up the phone lines. Talk to you guys some more. Uh, they're already open. Yeah, I'm waiting for your phone calls. Let me remind you that I'm not going to be here tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday. Got have some family business to take care of, so I will be getting on a plane, going some uh, going some place to do some things, uh, and uh, I'll be back on Monday. We'll be back Monday the 16th. That'll win uh, when regular service will resume both here on WorldSoccerTalk.com as well as the XM show if you happen to take part in that. All right. Uh, What else else is on the agenda today? I wrote a piece for 442 on the Patrick Vieira move at their request, an American perspective. Obviously, 442, a very English perspective type of uh, of location. And I'm taking a little bit of stick. I think most people are, are understanding my point. Uh, Patrick Vieira's hiring is a risk for both sides. Say it that way, okay? It's a risk for NYCFC because Patrick Vieira has no experience at the first team level and has no experience in MLS. It's a risk for Patrick Vieira because it's unclear whether coaching in MLS and succeeding in MLS will give him a boost to the next level. Uh, it will serve as a stepping stone. Is there one example of a coach? Who used MLS as a stepping stone to something bigger? Maybe there, maybe there is. I mean, I, I know we've had some coaches who have gone on and done some important things and been some been coaches in big setups. Maybe not head coaches all the time. Carlos Queiroz. Juan Carlos Osorio is head coach of Mexico now, and people who remember him in Chicago and New York are chuckling about that. But he went down to Colombia. He went back to Colombia and did some things. He went to Brazil. He did some things. So it's it, it there there's a certainly a I, I guess there is it's not impossible for Patrick Vieira to use MLS as a launching pad for the rest of his coaching career, but he's never had a job before. Those guys had jobs before. Those guys had resumes to lean on before they ever arrived here. And then there's the foreign coach element, and I do, do not like the argument that foreign coaches can't succeed in MLS. I don't like that flat statement. I don't like to just without any sort of appreciation for the variables at play. I don't like saying that foreign coaches are going to fail in MLS. That's lazy. What we have to do is look into the cer- the, the specific circumstances for Patrick Vieira and for those other foreign coaches and for the ones who did succeed and the ones who didn't. Gary Smith is the on- only foreign coach, and by that I mean – Coach born outside the United States and raised in soccer, meaning his soccer is full-on soccer experience happened outside the United States. He's the only one to win the MLS Cup. That he's the only one. Some of these guys who have lifted the trophy, you know, were born elsewhere, may have had their some of their early years elsewhere, maybe even played overseas, but came to the United States early enough in their coaching careers that they essentially took on. And under, and, be, and became, began to understand the American element, the American thing, okay? I'm not sure, do we do we put Steve Nichol in this? I mean, you want to put Steve Nichol in this group of foreign coaches who have succeeded? Maybe, but he never won an MLS Cup. That's why he didn't make my list there. But he was a successful coach. Obviously a Liverpool guy, for, forever. Before moving on, ended up playing in the United States the last couple of years of his career. Then became a manager in the United States with the New England Revolution. Patrick Vieira has many different things on his plate. He has to learn how to coach a first team. He has to learn how to coach a first team in MLS. He has to learn how to coach on that field in New York City uh, at, at Yankee Stadium. He has to learn how to handle the travel. He has to learn how to handle the the atmospheric environment uh, elements. He has the, the Playing on artificial surfaces. Not him in particular, but managing his team. Juggling his team. He has to do all of this with limited depth. In a league that does not allow for your team to be more than 14 or 15 players deep, if that, if you're lucky. And... We know that there are that there are problems with the NYCFC roster. They have some nice pieces, but they have problems. And you know what? The old guys are part of the problem. David Villa was fine this year. Lampard and Pirlo? Can can Patrick Vieira walk into that locker room? Look at Andrea Pirlo, Frank Lampard. Look at that re- the rest of that squad put together a winning lineup that, that goes out and gets a, into a playoff spot. I, I, I'll be curious to see as well whether or not there's a double standard. And and there probably is, and, there, and honestly, there probably should be. There probably should be a double standard, meaning Jason Christ gets fired in year one for not making the playoffs. If Patrick Vieira doesn't make the playoffs in 2016 as the head coach of NYCFC, they should not fire him depending on how the season went. I mean, if it was an absolute tire fire, and it's very clear that, uh, that Patrick Vieira played some sort of significant role in them being bad, if he loses control of the team, if there's an out-and-out mutiny, okay, you'll fire him. But if you come up short in, in 2016 like you did in 2015, you keep him on and you keep building the program. And I want to see Patrick Vieira succeed. I just think the deck is stacked against him for a lot of reasons, the MLS reasons, the foreign coach reasons, the CFG reasons, he's going to have to learn, he's going to have to learn quick. It, it doesn't mean that he's not a great football mind. It doesn't mean that Patrick Villar won't be a great manager at some point. It's just this is a very odd place to, to get your start because it's so different. I'm not making a judgment about good, different, bad, different. Oh my gosh, MLS is so difficult. Look at me crowing. No, MLS is just different. It doesn't mean that a, a, a MLS is better, or MLS is some sort of unique challenge that should be celebrated. It's just a unique challenge. So when you're a and, and from Patrick Vieira's perspective, when you're a a new manager, a new head coach, when you're you're only on the job. With winning being your only concern, no longer about development or getting guys minutes or getting guys healthy or trying to find form for a couple of guys. This is only about winning. When it, it changes and it becomes only about winning, is this where you want to learn how to do that? With all of these variables that you wouldn't deal with in England, you deal with a much more uh, aggressive press in England. He's not going to have that here. That's a, that's a bonus, I guess. He'll have some you'll have some pressure from the press but nothing like you would experience anywhere in England, anywhere in France, anywhere in Spain, Germany, Italy, whatever. So I guess that's a good thing. That's one benefit to starting here. But the, the the detriment to starting here is that you have to deal with stuff you'll never use again. This is like MLS for Patrick Vieira is like the is like algebra. You're never going to use it again or calculus. People use calculus in their regular lives. When he moves on and he will At some point, when he moves on, he's never going to use it again. He will never use his MLS calculus again. Is that the right place for him to start then? I mean, we all went through calculus. They make us. I don't know why. Bill Reese on Twitter. Thoughts on OKC expansion team rumor in the NASL? No, please don't do it. Stop doing it. Back away from the franchise. Back away from Oklahoma City soccer. Back away. Back away. I, I get that Rio Viacano is involved in this team. They clearly have an interest. They want to slap their name on something. There's a lot of interest in Spain in teams improving their worldwide brand. And that's what this is. This is Rio Viacano trying to stake a claim in the United States to some sort of whatever they think they can get out of it. Now, I have issues with it being Oklahoma City. No offense to Oklahoma City. It's probably a decent soccer town. There's already a team there, by the way. They're in the USL. It's called the OKC Energy. So now this is so so another concern. Now it's a turf war. Now it's a battle... For the hearts and minds of a limited fan base in Oklahoma City. That's weird to me. I don't know that that sounds, sounds good for American soccer. The Rio Viacano branding is weird to me. Not only because who knows who what, what Rio Vacaño is in Oklahoma City. A very small portion of the soccer population even. But why do you need to brand yourself after a foreign club? And and look, I'll say this. I said this about NYCFC. I wanted them to go in a different direction, stay away from the Manchester City blue. I don't want them to feel like a minor league outpost of Manchester City. That's what they feel like. And now they're sending their they're sending their reserve coach on loan. That's essentially what's happening here, right? Here's we're we're loaning you our reserve coach to be the head coach of the team. I mean, I'm I'm re, I'm I'm kind of making a joke here, but there's certainly some element of the minor league feel, and it's not a, it's not impacting them now. They're getting big crowds out there. They're having a good time. They're selling. They're gra- driving interest. I, I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm 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 not going to say that it means everything's great forever, but right now everything's good. They need to start winning games. That needs to happen. But when it comes to Oklahoma City, Ryo OKC. And really, Jared Hayward, uh, Jared Hayward. <laughs> oh my God. Jared Dubois said it last night on, on Best Soccer Show, which again, you guys can get here, um, in a little while on backkill.com. He said, shouldn't it be Ryo OKC? Ryo OKC. Why is it Ryo OKC? <laughs> We're adding syllables we don't need. I, I'm just not a fan. I, I'm just. Not, I'm not. A, I wasn't a fan of U.S. USA. Not a fan of this. Not a fan of NYCFC. I would not be a fan of a Celtic whatever club. Any Celtic America? No. Please don't. Please don't. I. I. I just. Again, it's okay for the ownership to be shared. It's okay for Rio Viacano to invest in America. It's a, great. Go for it. Have fun. Welcome. Bienvenidas. Welcome. Let's go. But to to take that and then morph it into this again the the brandings thing because just just act like it's its own separate entity treat it as its own separate team stop with the brand creep I don't know it's an interesting situation and and it's it feels as though NASL is getting a little desperate this one feels a little desperate to me. In Oklahoma City, with Ryo Viacano, with the branding, with the timing, it seems a little desperate to me. And I want—I don't think NASL needs to be desperate. NASL needs to be smart. That doesn't mean conservative in every aspect. They can certainly start new clubs in a lot of places, but to to, to jump on this one seems a little desperate to me. It's it's odd to have to reconcile NASL diving into Oklahoma City with Ryo Viacano with the things that, that Bill Peterson says and their challenge of first division standards. And they're moaning about the inability to attract sponsors because they're not first division or whatever that is. Maybe this is a function of that, too. Oh, we had to go into Oklahoma City and we had to partner with Ryan Vacano because we don't have any money from sponsorships. Maybe that's part of the deal. Last call for phone calls, 646-832-3909. Hit me up. Last, uh, last moments of the show. Last show of the week. Again, out tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. No shows. Don't go looking for them, please do not text Trevor a thousand times and ask him where the show is cause then he yells at me, and it's a thing guys i don't I don't have to deal with that. I apologize profusely for missing the shows. It cannot be helped. I will return full of vim and vigor on Monday to tackle whatever happens this coming weekend, including the u s national team opening up World Cup qualifying. Against St. Vincent and the Grenadines at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, including the U23s and their friendlies against Brazil, including the entire European weekend, whatever may come. When is the Classico? It's not this weekend, right? It's the following weekend? Or is it this weekend? I need to look. See, this is why, like, I need some sort of personal assistant. Like, can I say, okay, Google right now, and it'll tell me when the Classico is? Because that's kind of what I need. All right, it's the 21st. So it is 11 days away. So that's what what day of the week is <laughs> Saturday the 21st. All right. Okay, so it is a week from Saturday. I'm feeling good about myself again. I had it in my head and I got it right. All right. Let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Thanks for the calls guys, good stuff from from everybody. Again, the debate rolls on about heading in new soccer. So it's a, it's a it's a very tricky issue. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at soccer morning make sure you're doing that there's absolutely no reason not to uh also check out you know everything happening at backhill.com WorldSoccerTalk.com. some good stuff some good analysis happening over there and we'll be uh we'll be back on Monday thanks uh, thanks again guys see you then bye Did
2: my invitations disappear what up on my heart? recursive letter tell me why the hell no one is-